Who, who loves Pastor Tyler? Yeah, come on. Get excited. I love that guy. Well, as he said, um, Tyler and I, we worked at the church on the way together. I was the junior high pastor, and he was the high school pastor, and uh, we had a lot of fun, and we took way too long of lunches. Uh, anybody, <laughs> anybody ever have a coworker that you just took uh, too long of lunch? Okay, don't, don't confess now. It's, uh, it's not worth it. You might, your employer might be here, so... Uh, be careful with that. But hey, I'm so excited to be here uh, with you this morning. Uh, as Tyler said, we pastor in Roseville, and uh, my wife and I, we started a church in 2010. Lindsay, why don't you stand on up? Everybody say hi to Lindsay. We started a, a church in 2010, and I had such a leadership vision uh, that my wife was in attendance on our first Sunday, and the guy who lived with us, and our kids watched Veggie Tales in the bedroom. Um, and that was our living room uh, there in Sacramento, and things have gotten better. <laughs> Amen. Uh, God's, God's blessed what we, what we started, and we merged with the church, and there's a bunch of young adults, and we have a really good time up in the Sacramento-Roseville area. So super excited to be here with you guys. Uh, Tyler told me that he usually preaches for about 55 minutes. Is that, is that, did he tell you the same thing, or is that just, okay, he just told me that, all right. Um, so just so you know, I, I like it when you get on an airliner, you know, and they tell you exactly when we're going to land the plane. So, uh, just so you know, my first point is going to be the longest, right? Cause I'm an oversharer and, uh, the next two are going to go real fast. All right. So if I, if I haven't gotten to point two and you're like, oh snap, he's got three of these, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> just so you know, that's where, you know, that's where we're headed. The plane will land. Um, I even, you know, I'm, I'm really, uh, I want to I be invited back, so I even did a little timer here, okay? And uh, so I've got, I literally have 33 minutes left, all right? So we better, you know, keep, keep going. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, super happy to be here. Hey, I was praying for you guys. Um, Pastor Tyler asked me to preach uh, a couple months ago, and uh, just asking the Lord, what do you want me to share with the people of Walnut Creek? What do you want me to share with the people of the East Bay? Um, and we're still in the East Bay, right? This is, okay. Uh, and what would you, what would be on your heart, God? And how many of you know it's important that when you are getting ready to share what you feel like the Lord's put on your heart, that you actually include the Lord in that process, right? So began to do that a couple months ago, and I really felt like we were going to be in this one section of scripture that the Lord kind of put on my heart uh, a while back and showed me some things in there. Uh, but really, the, the title didn't come until last night. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not really great with titles, okay? So the message will be better than the title in case you're afraid um, right now. But uh, it's hashtag blessed, all right? So can we, can we just say that? Hashtag blessed, all right? Anybody, anybody ever use that on your, uh, on your Twitter feed or your Facebook or your tweet face? Or um, my, mom actually, my mom says, I won't say it, uh, but she, she has a Snapchat and she, she's getting used to it. And she's, well, she doesn't have one, but her grandkids have one. And, she called it uh, something else, um, but you know when you start saying Snapchat too fast, and there's some four-letter words that can get mixed up there, and she she threw it in there. She was like, "That's what it," you know. So, uh, okay, uh, but she was 60. She's she's 60 plus. So if you've ever used hashtag blessed, I want to bring up a photo real quick. Um, so this is the title of the message. Everybody say hashtag blessed. All right. So I just want to brag on myself for a minute. Is that okay? All right. Uh, I'm humble. I promise. Um, but uh, I am blessed, right? I have an, an amazing life. Um, and I, if I look back on my life, uh, it, I've been blessed the whole time. I was blessed when 
Tyler came walking through the door of the office in 2000 some, you know, 2007 or 2008, and we got to be friends. Uh, I've been blessed my whole life. Um, but it hasn't really been because I intentionally went out to be blessed, a blessed person. Uh, it's really just been a series of obediences to the Lord. It's been a series of me saying yes to the next thing that God put in front of my life to accomplish or to do, or the next point of obedience that he called me to. And so this is my family. Uh, That's Multnomah Falls up in Oregon. Uh, This past summer, we did an epic road trip with four kids under 10, um, which, by the way, I don't recommend. If you have a family, wait until they're older for the road trips. Uh, We did Yellowstone. We did Oregon. We did Seattle through Idaho. I mean, it was two weeks of, really, it was a lot of fun, I'll be honest with you. But... um, one of the reasons I'm blessed is because we bought a van, and I don't know if you have one of these. Uh, we actually brought it today because we're like that couple now. Um, we didn't bring our kids, but we brought the van. Um, <laughs> we didn't even need the van. And we spent all day, uh, two days ago, we, we've done like kind of the Napa Valley thing, and we went to Calistoga, and we went to that big castle, and went to St. Helena, 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 St. Helena. Uh, so we, were, we did that. <laughs> And all in the minivan, and we've kind of fell out of place, I'll be honest with you. There are not a lot of minivans doing the wine country tour. Um, but, but we got this minivan, and one of the reasons I'm blessed is this minivan, we bought it for the Yellowstone road trip in mind. Uh, like, we're going to go on this road trip, it's going to be so much fun. We had this vision and all these different things that we're going to do in this minivan. And it's one of those that the, the seats in the back, they swivel and they face each other so the kids can see one another. And there's a table that pops up in the center and you can make sandwiches on the drive. Like, you can just keep, you can keep driving. And so we had this romantic idea of what this is going to, this is just going to be the most epic family time ever. We're going to get in the van, and we're going to put the table up, and the kids are going to be facing each other, and they're going to have such sweet memories and sharing life with one another. And, you know, it's kind of like that vision of, like, when you meet the, that special someone, you just see them running through the daisies, and you're like, oh, it's just love. And then it doesn't turn out that way. Um, that's the way the road trip was envisioned in our minds, and really, it was just a lot of yelling. Um, there, it was a lot of yelling and a lot of timeouts, and there was, you know, we're—I shouldn't say this on—we on, do believe in uh, spanking, so there, but we do it in moderation and in, in love. I love you so much. Um, just like my parents, it was good for me. I turned out okay. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of that that was happening. There was a lot of threats of that. But um, it, I'm, a blessed, I'm a blessed person, not just because of the family, but also the minivan. I'm blessed. I have this, you know, opportunity to have this incredible life that, that God gives us. How many of you are blessed in the room, right? Um, I'm going to ask it again, but I want you to... Re- How many of you, be honest with yourselves, really, really honest with yourself. You've ever posted something on social media and you, and you added hashtag blessed. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Okay. All right. There's a few of you. There's more out there than actually raise their hand. But you've added that. You've added that. Well, I believe this with all of my heart, that God wants you to be blessed, that God wants you to live a blessed life. That's exciting. Like, if that was the whole message, we could just get up and go and feel great about ourselves, right? Go be blessed. <laughs> Hallelujah, you know, and then we'd be done and we'd be just blessed and it'd be just great. Um, But I also believe that my obedience to God caused this life of blessing to happen. In fact, I was homeschooled. My parents were pastors in Auburn, California for a number of years and uh, homeschooled. And that that comes with its own set of challenges socially. Um, 
but Tyler helped me out with that. I mean, sure, I was like 26 by then, but um, we, reversed, we reversed some damage there. Uh, but our kids are homeschooled now too, so we're helping them through. Um, but I was homeschooled growing up, and um, one of the things that I, I just never had, I knew I was called to ministry, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. So I just began to obey the Lord, and he opened up the doors. I was actually signed up for junior college in my hometown, and I figured that's what I'm going to do, junior college, and if I'm supposed to do ministry, God will open up that opportunity. And then through a series of God-ordained circumstances, I ended up in Los Angeles um, at the Church on the Way the, the very summer after my, uh, my senior year, and God just put my life together and called me into ministry, and obviously years later I met Tyler there as well. But my obedience to God led to living this blessed life that really came from God. I was obeying him, and he kept blessing my life, and he still does. And how many of you have found that to be true in your walk with God, that the more you obey, the more he blesses, and the more you put him first, the more things go right. And it's a wonderful thing, uh, but so often when obedience to God becomes the blessing of God, oftentimes the blessings of God can lead to the opportunity to become the bondage of the enemy. So in the, instant, in, the, in the same breath that you're being blessed by God, the enemy's trying to take that blessing and get you to forget God, right? He's getting, trying to get you to fall in love with the blessing and, and not the one who blesses. And these blessings that God gives us, this hashtag blessed life that we have, it's all meant for us to fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with the Lord. It's all designed. I mean, every bit of it. As we obey God, as we put him first, we begin to love him and he blesses and we fall more in love with him. But what we see in scripture is so oftentimes, whether it's the people of Israel or the rich young ruler, as they continue to experience the blessing of God, they drew further and further and further away from the person of God. And that's the opposite of what the blessing's for. The blessing's to propel us into this intimacy, personal relationship with the Lord. I look at that picture and I think, God, my, my first thought is, man, my wife is beautiful and man, my kids are awesome. And then, you know, right in there somewhere, it, real close by is, God, thank you so much. I didn't plan that, right? Like I didn't come up with that, that caption. I didn't come up with that image. I didn't come up with this life. God has given me everything that I have. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians 4, verse 11, Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13. Um, and my first point is this, really, there is a battle of the blessed, right? There's a battle of the blessed. And uh, I love this verse, and you guys will know it. You'll know the last part for sure when I read it. But this is Paul talking. He says this, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do, we could probably all say this together, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Man, I love that verse. Uh, my friend Jeff in high school, he loved that verse so much, even though he didn't serve God, he actually got it tatted on his forearm, right? And so he would play baseball, and he would say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he just envisioned that ball going over the fence, you know? And like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can have whatever he wants me to have, you know? And all, I'm, those are good, godly principles, except it kind of misses the context of what Paul's talking about if we just take it at face value. In fact, we love that verse because we use that verse as a as kind of a rally cry for reaching for more of what God has for us, right? I can do all things. Like, I'm going to get further 
Anybody ever use that verse to like psych yourself up and maybe it's like a, a business meeting or psych yourself up for like a challenge or tough mutter? Um, I've, I haven't done one yet, um, but I've heard about them and I've heard, <laughs> wow, heard they're tough um, and you can do them if that's, if that's what you do. Um, I, I, by the way, I have lost 66 pounds since March 4th. Yeah, I know. Seriously. That's exciting. I know. See, another... Love it. Love it all. Um, I love it. Um, but hashtag blessed. Thank you. Hashtag too blessed, ate too much, got too blessed, right? So having to rewind the blessings. Um, okay. So, but that happens, doesn't it? All right. We use that verse as I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My friend Jeff tatted it on his arm. Uh, it's in our social media posts. It's, you know, we make hats out of it. Um, it's, you know, and when I was in, growing, up, growing up in the 90s as a, as a young youth in the 90s, uh, we called it witness wear. Uh, I don't know if you guys had that um, here in the East Bay, but witness wear was like t-shirts that like, it was like Crest toothpaste, but it was like Christ and I. Um, okay, so uh, we had that verse on there a lot. You know, witness wear, because you were being a witness with what you, what you wore. Um, but we use that verse to propel us to the next thing, to reach higher, to move past. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the point I want to make here is the battle of the blessing is really what Paul's addressing. Look at what he says. And if we, if we take it down, you know, he kind of juxtaposes it, right? In the verse, he says, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. So he juxtaposes plenty and hunger. And he says, I have learned the secret of uh, having abundance or being in need. See how they're, they're juxtaposed, right? So what if we put those together? And let's just read it this way. I have learned, this is Paul talking, I have learned the secret of facing hunger and need. We can all understand that, right? I've learned this secret. Okay, Paul, tell us the secret. I've learned the secret of facing hunger and need. How many of you know, how many of you have ever been hungry and needy before? Uh, my wife and I, when we first got married, we were in a 600-square-foot uh, little uh, module home in her brother-in-law, in her brother's, my brother-in-law's backyard um, at the corner of Roscoe and Nordoff in Panorama City. And we had another name for that city. Um, but it's tough, right? Pan- I mean, it was, a, it was a tough neighborhood, and it was 600 square feet. We had our first kid on the way, and we made the dumbest decision ever, just like the road trip, um, <laughs> of getting two Labradors in that there as well. Yeah, we were super smart. Um, super smart. Um, but 600 square feet, I think it was 640. And I remember, remember like feeling this. I have learned the secret of facing hunger and need. I mean, first world problems, let's be real. But 600 square feet, a kid on the way. We measured our furniture wrong when we said yes to it. And so none of our stuff fit. Um, I had to like leap over to get into the bed. Um, the drawers didn't open in our dresser. It, it was a nightmare, like just a nightmare. I remember after a year and a half of being in that position, we're just in the living room. And this is a, a miracle moment. We're crying out to God, God, open the doors because we can't. We can't even find them. No, <laughs> open the doors. We need a different situation. Lord, help us. Move us on. God, open the windows of heaven. We're crying out. I have learned the secret of being in hunger and need. I've known what it's like to be hungry and needy. Anybody else there? You, you've seen like what life should be, and you realize what you're living, and you're like, oh, it's agony. We, we immediately understand that part. But listen to, if we don't juxtapose it, right? Listen to what he says here. I have learned the secret of facing 
plenty and abundance. How many of you ever think of plenty and abundance as something you need to face, right? Like, I think of it as something I get to enjoy. Hashtag blessed, right? I don't need to, Paul says, I've learned a secret. I've learned the secret of facing hunger and need. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and abundance. And if you read that real quick, you might miss it. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and abundance. How many of you know plenty and abundance can be something that we have to face? We can wake up in the morning and we we don't think, because all of us as Americans, good, red-blooded Americans, right, we're reaching for more in most cases. More in business, more in life, more opportunity, uh, more, more, more things, right? We're just reaching for more. More. God, give me more. And some of it's really good because it's grounded in the right motivation. But some of it can actually lead us to a place where there's a disconnection between us and God. In fact, I'm pretty sure that Paul understood that plenty and abundance have just as much potential to sever our connection and commitment with God as hunger and need. That the potential of having plenty and the potential of living in abundance can sever our connection with God just as much as hunger and need. We find ourselves forgetting about the one who blesses. We find ourselves enjoying the benefits without remembering who established the benefits for us. We see it all throughout Scripture, don't we? When the people of Israel, man, when they are the most obedient, when they are the most like faithful to God, they're blessed the most. And in their blessing, they forget God. And in the midst of their greatest victories, oftentimes we see their greatest points of paganism, idolatry, of wickedness. Because they have so much. And for me, that's my struggle right now. For me, my struggle is, God, I want to need you because my life is good right now. I am blessed. I've got the van with the table. <laughs> like, life over, what do you need more? You know, like, I've achieved everything that is achievable. The American dream is literally mine. Like, I have a van. The, win- the doors open on their own. I didn't tell you that part. <laughs> doors open on their own. Even the back one, so you could put the groceries in. Here's my prayer. Dear Jesus, you've been so good to me. I have a fully funded retirement. Now, I don't. But let's just talk about this person really quick. Dear Jesus, you've been so good to me. I have a fully funded retirement. I have a benefits package that's unparalleled in my industry. My dream home is almost paid off, and my kids have college scholarships. Lord, help me today. I am desperate to keep you first. Wow. That's what Paul's addressing. He's saying, I've learned the secret because I know that when I live with plenty and when I live with abundance, when I get to experience the blessing of God, I can so quickly forget the God who blesses. And I, for, I can forget that He is so after my heart. Just like a loving God who gives good gifts to his children, those good gifts can keep my heart far from him. And so when I come to the Lord in my plenty and in my abundance and in my hunger and in my need, my cry of desperation is the same no matter what circumstance I'm facing. Whether it's plenty and abundance or hunger and need, my cry is, Lord, I need you. God, I want you. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, God, you're the goal. You're the purpose. Let me see the person behind 
the benefits, the person behind what he gives me. God, I, I, I know you have a plan for my life. God, I want to love you. I want to fall deeper in love with you. You're a good father. You care about your children. You care about me. Lord, I need more of you. And the second point is this, the purpose of the blessed, right? So when we're blessed, there's not just a battle, there's also a purpose. Luke chapter 16, verses 9 through 10, and this is the parable of the dishonest manager, and I just want to read a few verses from it, and I says, and this is Jesus talking, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Everybody say eternal dwellings. All right. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? Use your opportunities of blessings to win friends who welcome you into eternal dwellings. Can I tell you what this is talking about? This is talking about using your position of hashtag blessed as an opportunity to win people into an eternal kingdom, right? Those eternal dwellings that they're welcoming you into, that's heaven. That's heaven. This is, the, this is Jesus saying, the only thing that matters in this life is how you invest in the next one. The only thing that matters in this life is what you take with you in the next one. And we all know that's people, right? So use this moment that you have of being blessed because I don't know, I mean, I'm, I've, I've got a pretty short life. I'm 35 years old, and I, I've been on the bottom, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm doing good right now. I've, I've, I've experienced like a, le, a little low level of living and, and a high level of living. I've experienced both worlds, and the one thing I can say is that life changes, doesn't it? It moves around on you. And what Jesus is saying to his people is, use the opportunity when life is just blessed to win for yourself friends who you get to see in heaven. Man, I love, I love Mission Church. How many? 170 salvations? Is that decisions for Christ, right? Come on. 170 people giving their hearts to the Lord. And some of you are the, they're, they're, you're he, I'm here. It's not a story anymore. Now it's a face. Now it's a person. How many of you are glad somebody took a risk and a whole bunch of people took a risk to use ungodly wealth, ungodly blessing to create a, a circumstance, to create a scenario in which they could win you into an eternal home in heaven. How many of you are glad that that happened, right? That somebody took that risk, that somebody took that challenge, that somebody invested and said, hey, listen, the life that matters the most is the one that's coming, the one that I'm living for next. And so I'm going to put my wealth into those realities. See, you and I, we have, to main, we have to fight to maintain our focused understanding that we have been blessed for a purpose. I think it's really easy for me to look at my life, and maybe this is your struggle too, and say, I worked really hard. Anybody, anybody a hard worker out there? Right? Like, apparently, you don't get far without working hard. I mean, <laughs> took me a few years to figure that one out. But it's like, if I wanted, you know, to live a life that I never had, I'm going to have to work in a way that I've never had worked before, right? So you have to work hard. You, and, and it's really easy in the midst of working hard, in the midst of obeying God, to think that the life that you have 
that you created and are in control of, right? That's a really easy, slippery slope to fall into. But Jesus is saying, man, make sure that you recognize that there is a God who gives purpose in the blessing that you're experiencing. And the blessing that you're experiencing is a moment with purpose, that you have purpose in this moment. I love what Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador, he wrote this in his journal on October 28, 1949, 1949. You'll remember this quote if you've, uh, if you've watched the movie or different things like that. Uh, a few years later, I think it was seven years later, he gave up his life uh, in the mission field to win other people to Christ. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's purpose, isn't it? He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. When Jesus is writing to these folks about this parable, he's saying, invest in the internal things. Use your moments of blessing to recognize your God-given purpose. And then the third point is this, and it's the test of the blessed. The test of the blessed. Um, anybody remember growing up, uh, okay, I, I say the 90s because I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 1983 and the 90s were my childhood, but ever so often, it doesn't happen so much anymore, I think because we have cell phones, but it was like, beep, 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 when you're watching TV, it says, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test. After a few moments, if this were an actual emergency, you know, da-da-da-da. Anybody remember that? Or am I, am I dating myself? Okay, hopefully you remember that. They still do it somewhere? Okay, I haven't heard it in a while, uh, probably because I, I watch Netflix. Um, but <laughs> it's only a test, and you, you would hear that. Listen, this life that you and I have right now, it's only a test. This life is only a test. There is purpose. I, I always dreamed of heaven growing up because I did not like uh, the worship part of the service. My parents, we were in, we were the kind of family, we were in church, like we could be dying, but we would still be in church on Sunday somehow. Like we were in church on the front row usually and we stood the whole time. And if we didn't, we got pinched right here under our skin, <laughs> under our little arm. Just, oh, okay, I'll stand, I'll stand. And in worship on the front row uh, growing up, I just felt like, and, and then the pastor would always say, usually my dad, he'd always get up and he'd say, no, heaven, this is what heaven's going to be like. I was like, what? Like, my legs were tired like 20 minutes ago. And like, my hands hurt when I raised them this long. You know, like, I don't have an Aaron holding them up like Moses did. You know, I was tired. And worship, like, just seemed like it took forever. And I was like, and we're supposed to do that for eternity? Like, one big worship service? Realize how many songs that is? realize how tired my legs are going to be? Like, I'm not going to be able to stand for all of that. And I, I used to think that, that, I mean, that was my concept of heaven. It was about as big as a walnut, right? Like, that we're just going to get to heaven. How many of you have heard that? And how many of you have said, like, oh, really? <laughs> so it was a big song service the whole time? I, I, okay, I guess it'll be fun. I guess we'll be changed then. And so it'll, yeah, okay, I'm on board. I'm, well, you got to be, because we're here, right? So um, you gotta, that's kind of a big one to not be on board with, uh, heaven. And so I remember thinking to myself, that's a long time to stand. Little did I know, like, heaven is filled with purpose, okay? So think about the life that you have right now. Think about this, this life where you're developing things, where you're thinking through things, where you're using your intellect and 
You're using your will. And just think of God redeeming all of that into the context of perfection and unity with him. Multiply it by as much as you can possibly imagine, and you'll get somewhere close to no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. You'll get somewhere close. When you think about heaven, don't think about just a worship, a perpetual worship service in the sky, lamb petting cloud, diaper wearing babies, you know, on clouds. Like that's not heaven. Heaven is purpose. Heaven is construction. Heaven is doing things with God and for God in total unabandoned intimacy with God and with the people around you. Heaven is a glorious place, right? Heaven's amazing. Heaven's earth times a billion times better than that. And so when I say that this is only a test and we're to live to the next life, that can get kind of ethereal and we don't always know what to do with that. But listen, that is the promise of the hope that Jesus established on the cross is that we have an eternity with God. And I think we need to get a little bit more excited about heaven sometimes. Because when we're excited about what's next, then all of a sudden when somebody wrongs me, I can walk in forgiveness. Because of he, he's forgiven me of so much. And there's a whole nother world coming that I'm living for. See, I've got some chips, right? Some poker chips. And in this life, I get to decide where I'm placing them. So if I place them all here and not there, I'm missing the kingdom of God. I'm missing, there's so much of the kingdom. I don't walk in forgiveness. I don't walk in love. I don't love the un unlovable. I don't forgive the unforgivable. I don't give when it hurts. I don't give till it hurts. Because I'm, I'm trying to retain, I'm trying to keep, I'm building this life, not the next one. But I'll tell you what, this life is a moment. Paul actually calls it a vapor, right? Like it's here and it's gone. But the next one is forever. This is a test. This is only a test. And God so desperately wants the hearts of his people within the context of being blessed. He wants your heart. But recognize there's a war for your heart when you're experiencing the blessing. There's a war for it. And the enemy wants to take that same opportunity that God is trying to propel you into your purpose, and he's taking that same opportunity, and he's trying to propel you into bondage to the blessing. God has so much for his people. I want to close with this. It's the parable of the rich fool. And I know that, uh, that's, is anybody offended by that? Okay, Jesus, Jesus wrote it. He said it, not me, all right? Luke 12, I feel like the rich fool. I feel like that this morning a little bit. Um, the parable of the rich fool, verse, Luke, 11, Luke 12, verse 20 says this, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. For where your treasure is, verse 34, there your heart will be also. The test of the blessed is this. In the moment of your blessing, will you be rich toward the Lord? I love that. We always think of like, God's supposed to bless us, right? Like he's, I do good, you do good to me, right? God, that's how it works. <clears throat> but Jesus flips that on its head and says, you and I are called to take the blessing that we've received from the Lord and in turn be rich towards Him. We be rich towards God. What does that look like in your life? You know, it's not just, if you're thinking it's just about money, it's so not about money. 
so not just about money. It's about wherever your heart is, that place of intimacy, that place of affection, what captivates your attention. God wants to be there. He wants to be the center. He wants to be what captivates you. He wants to be what you think about. He wants to be a part of the loves of your life.